Welcome again to Living the Good Life. I am your host, David B. Foster. And of course, the B is for Bless. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of our podcast here. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. We're available there. And occasionally, we will post a video to uh, our YouTube channel, City of Faith Christian Center. So make sure to subscribe there. Look for the purple logo. Um, Today, I want to talk about um, uh, something I think everyone can relate to, and that is loss, L-O-S-S, right? And so I want to talk about life lessons I've learned from loss, life lessons I've learned from loss. This season that my wife and I are in that we're coming out of is has been a very peculiar and unique season. It's a season that we have not experienced before. Um, and it is something that I honestly, I never want to experience again. Um, but it was a season of where we experienced tremendous loss. Um, suspended, we experienced tremendous loss, over a quarter million dollars loss um, through various means and businesses. Um, other loss we experienced through assets, you know, and so um, that we might, we probably were going to divulge and testify later. Um, but I think it's going to be really a help to a lot of people. But during this time, uh, also. I, uh, at the time of recording this podcast, I just finished up my fourth week of successive funerals. And these funerals have been people who are um, in our family, our direct family. And this past weekend, I had to eulogize um, a former uh, church member. Um, but he was more than a church member. He was an individual I grew up with. Um, he was a friend. Um, a brother, he really was like family um, to us. And so um, we've had loss um, in our um, lives, but as I was um, um, thinking today, the Lord brought these to my memory. And he, I wanted to share um, five principles, five main principles that I've learned through this season of loss. Uh, number one, I hate to sound real cliche, I hate to sound super churchy, right? Doing the air quotes. Uh, but <clears throat> number one, God is faithful, right? God is faithful. Uh, one thing about it, uh, the scripture tells us that God said He's never, he would never leave us nor forsake us. But what happens during times of loss, grief, um, devastation, uh, destruction, we often look for God to show up um, in our current season, how he did in our past season. And that can cause us to miss God, right? And what I mean by miss God, God doesn't leave us, but we may miss how God is moving in that season and that will relate um, directly to us on how we should move out of that season, right? And these lessons here, 
number one, being God is faithful, has helped us to move out of this season of loss. Because the enemy would like nothing more but for you to stay there. He would like nothing more for you to have a pity party. He would like nothing more for you to um, go into a state of depression and um, go into a state of um, uh, worry, fear, and um, a place where you may want to even give up. Now, depression is not something that's necessarily demonic or something that's associated with sin. Um, there are several instances in the Bible where um, great um, men and women of God experienced depression. Uh, number, uh, uh, um, number one, um, Elijah, he experienced depression. Um, David, he experienced, he experienced, uh, depression and, um, there are other characters who experienced depression who are of, uh, biblical proportion. And so if you have, have been depressed or are in a season of depression, number one, I want to let you know there's hope. Number two, I want to let you know that. God sees you in that state. And number three, I want to let you know that um, there is um, nothing for you to feel bad about to yourself where you are down. Because what's that going to do? It's going to cause you to enter back in or to recycle into that same state of depression. So, number one, remember um, God is faithful. God is faithful, right? All right. Uh, number two, uh, this is a saying that two of my closest friends would say often. Uh, my wife, you may hear us saying this too, um, that people are going to be people. Now, that may seem like a very simple statement, but that's one of the most profound statements you can have, especially as you begin to mature, grow, as you begin to age, as you begin to navigate into different seasons of your life. Remember, people are going to be people, right? Let me try to um, expound on that. What that means is that people or individuals are going to act in a certain manner, especially given certain circumstances and certain um, certain environments that they may be placed in, they are going to react in those environments accordingly, right? And so, basically, for instance, let me just use like this: if you if you spray a dog with water, he may he'll run away, but of his own choice, that that dog will choose to jump in water if it's something that he wants, right? In other words people can use the same environment situation and depending on their feeling, their likes or dislikes, they can choose to have a certain type of reaction, right? And so people are going to be people. I had a cousin who I grew up with, very close, um, and we were super tight. And But my cousin, uh, I grew up with him, he was a hothead. <laughs> I mean, no two ways to put about it. He had a quick temper, right? Um, and so he, he, he just had a quick temper and, and some people were like, well, I, I don't know how you deal with him or how you are um, around him. 
Well, I understand that he was going to be himself, right? And when I choose to deal with him, be around him, go places with him, I must accept that, right? His behaviors, his characteristics, um, I must accept that his personality because when I'm when I'm around him, that's who he's going to be. He's going to be himself, right? And so um, you may you know you may be around somebody, but like, uh, they may be something. You know, you may be around somebody that that you spend time with you, maybe a spouse, maybe a good friend, maybe a family member. You be like, you're not acting like yourself today, right? And so that. Or those times are when they act out of character. Now, that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes a person can be thinking or maybe had a bad day at work or something may have happened. And they can, you know, not be jovial or um, not be happy or comedic like their normal self would be. You know, so it's not always a negative thing. But I'm trying to convey that basically they're not acting like themselves and, but you expected them to act a certain way. And a lot of times it's unconscious. And it's only, and that's good, it's only when they don't act like that that you notice how they really do act. Don't let that, don't let that go over your head. It's only when they don't act like they normally act, when you, that's when you notice that they're not acting like they normally do, right? And so people are going to be people, right? Um... One time, uh, this particular cousin, he was he was out and about, and um, this was years ago. He was in a club, and another friend of mine was head of security at this club, and he called me. He was like, "Man, you need to um, I call your cousin, man. See, can you talk to him, calm him down? Something had happened, man. And he was, and he was on it, man. You know, on one. He was like." And he and the security guy, he was trying to intervene because the other security guy didn't know him. And so he didn't want a bad situation to happen. And so I told him, I was like, what you want me to do? He's just being himself. And that's just the, the reality of it all. That's who he is, you know. And so uh, fortunately, you know, nothing happened, transpired. But, you know, people are going to be people. And one thing, if you're a leader or if you are um, entering into new relationships, or if you are a manager or looking to hire people, um, one thing that served me well and one thing I've learned in this season was that you must identify their weaknesses before you identify their strengths. Hmm. That's going to help somebody right there. See, a lot of times when we've been trained to look at the strengths of people, look at people's gifts, right? And look at what people can bring to the table. But I'm telling you, what's going to help you um, go through and go to the next level and will cause you to be able to deal with people on, on an entirely different level than most is when you identify their weaknesses. When you identify um, the things that they do not do well. When you identify the things that they may struggle with. Once you identify that, that allows you not only to recognize them for who they are, but it also allows you to um, take off any um, type of false persona 
that you placed on them. And a lot of times we do that unconsciously or false expectations that we expect people to, to be able to live up to, right? Because we feel a certain way about them. Hmm. Because we love them, because we've known them a long time, because we've had some good times in the past. We can't ignore their weaknesses, their uh, um, sometimes, unfortunately, their curses. We can't ignore their bad behaviors, right? Because that's going to put us in a position of vulnerability. And it's not only going to allow the, the people to hurt themselves, but it will cause them also to hurt you, right? Number three. Right, I was able to chop it up with one of my good friends this morning, uh, this weekend, like a friend of mine. Uh, I'm sorry, like a brother of mine. Uh, and he said something, and this is going to be my third point. He said, uh, we was talking, conversing. He said, people need to realize that nobody is coming to save you. Nobody is coming to save you. Now, immediately, I had to, my defenses went up. Right, because when I see the word save, of course, you know what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Jesus. But then I begin to th I begin to think about it deeply, uh, and I processed it as he was talking that he's absolutely right. Nobody is coming to save you. If you're in a bad situation, if you're in a situation that's less than desirable, look, nobody is coming to save you. Because number one, guess what? Jesus already came, hmm. and this. As recording, as we're recording this, this is resurrection past. This past uh, was this past weekend was resurrection weekend or Easter weekend, and we know that Jesus had the finished work, or he did everything that was necessary at the cross. It's called the finished work of the cross, right? And so he said that out of his own words, he says it is finished. Right. And so Jesus is not coming to save you. Right. And then we must look at this um, scripture. Two things we can learn is that number one, faith without works is dead. Right. And so if you're expecting somebody to save you because you have all this faith, you have this belief, you have this trust in God. Mm -mm. No, you need to put some works with your faith. Right. Or you need to actually work your faith. Right. Because if you really believe like you say you believe, you won't stay in that, um, that state too long. You won't stay in that situation too long. I mean, as far as mentally and emotionally and physical, right? No, you'll come out of that and you'll begin to move, right? In some type of direction contrary to where you previously were, right? Um, also, we can just bookmark this or sandwich this with faith without works is on one side and the other side we can say prayer without works is dead right Joshua 7 and 10 um, there was a sin but Achan had committed a sin there was sin in the camp and Joshua began to pray and he began to seek the Lord as he had done as he had, as he had done so many times before but guess what God said to him he said look get up right why are you laying on your face? Why are you praying? In other words, he, he told him, he said, he parap I'm paraphrasing, he said, there was work to be done, right? And so I'm telling you today that 
with your faith, with your prayer, guess what? There is work that needs to be done. And I'm telling you, you can find out what you're really made of when situations like this arise, when when you when when you experience loss, right? And look, loss doesn't feel good. I, I told you at the beginning, I never want to go through this again. But at the same time, I'm grateful for what happened through this. And it brings me to my fourth point. Um, everything can be replaced. Almost. <laughs> everything can be replaced. Almost. Right? And so I want to look at these four H's real quick up under this. Uh, number one is health. Right? Your health can and cannot be replaced. You need to figure out if you're in a, uh, um, a particular um, season where things are not going well um, there or they're contrary to the word of God that's in your life and over your life, you need to be working on your health. You need to be working on your emotional health, right? Dr. R.A. Vernon says that you need a friend in your mind. So I, I, I would strongly suggest you find somebody that can be a friend in your mind that you can have stimulating converse, conversations with. And even if you don't have st stimulating conversations with, somebody that you may have, that may stimulate you emotionally when you're in the presence. Y'all may go for coffee. Y'all may go for tea. Y'all may just go for a walk. Both of you have on your uh, your AirPods and may not say anything to other. You may work out together, may go to the gym. You may go work on legs. They may go work on cardio, whatever the case may be. That's somebody that can be a friend to your mind, right? Find somebody that you can do lunch with once a week. Somebody you can, you, you don't have to have a lot of money to go do coffee with, right? Go to the coffee shop. Both of y'all get water, right? Uh, or, or FaceTime each other, Zoom each other, whatever the case may be, find some way that someone can emotionally stimulate you because that's going to help your overall emotional health. Number two, physical health, right? Uh, look, as the saying said, the idle mind is never workshop. Look, if you have idle mind, that means you have idle time. And so try to see what you can do to level up physically. Again, I said you may go walking with somebody that can that can work both ways. You know, that can be an emotional and a physical um, health um, <clears throat> health habit that you can develop. Um, but it's important that you do that because if you lose your emotional and your physical health, although it can be restored and it can be built back up. It's going, it's going to be that much more difficult depending on how far it declines, right? And upon this health, um, lastly, your spiritual health is important. Take time to read, meditate, pray on the word, right? And when you do, don't just read and meditate and pray. Act on what you read. Act on what you hear. Act on what you're seeing to put the word into place and into practice in your own life. Right? Everything can be replaced. Almost. Hobby, right? Find you a hobby, right? You can find a hobby um, that can help you to heal um, emotionally or physically from loss, right? It's important that you do that. Perhaps you may want to go golf. Maybe you want to start reading. 
maybe exercise can be a hobby for you. Maybe you're in good shape and um, you just may want to exercise here and there. So it's important that you do that. Number three, find you a, find you a new hustle, right? Or find a new way to hustle, right? It's important that you do this because that's going to allow you to be productive. That's going to allow you to produce something. And when you come out of that season, um, you're going to feel so much better about what you've done rather than what you, than what you've not done, right? You you may only do one thing when you're down and out, but guess what? You'll be able to look at one thing and say, "Look, when I was in my lowest state, when I was in my uh, in my worst." condition look at what i accomplished right and that's what happened to me during this time i i guess i would say it's been probably the last six or seven months maybe eight that we've been going through this i was able to accomplish so much right i wrote three books right i wrote three books front to back completely done edited they're they're completed. I was able to do that. I created four online courses, right? I you know I researched how to do a course. I took a I took a class, a six week class on how to do how to create an online course, and I out of that I created four of my own courses, right? My wife and I we launched a new business, right? You've been hearing more about this soon. Um, we created an infrastructure for one of our existing businesses that would allow us to triple and maybe quadruple the income of that business. And last but not least, um, <laughs> you listening to one of my greatest endeavors, I launched a new podcast, right? These are things that I worked at. And when I came out of this season, which I'm not this month is like we really just maybe this week <laughs> coming out of this season last two weeks I would say honestly that we can't we coming out of this season I was able to look at that and people ask me you know what you been up to this and and it really didn't dawn on me but I just knew that you know there was something in me and I had to get it out and I was so glad I did because then I was able to look back at what I've done and say, wow, look at what I did in that time period. And so I know now that the sky is the limit and there's nothing I can't do, all right? Last one on the everything can replace almost harvest, right? Harvest, harvest during this season, right? Harvest relationships, harvest friendships, harvest um, positive energy, Harvest um, um, kind words, things that uh, put you in a good mood, things that bring um, a spiritual or emotional euphoria. Harvest those things, right? Also, make sure look, you never stop giving, right? Um, never stop giving money if that's uh, possible. If if when there's some money to be get to be given, give. One of the things that we're that are non-negotiable in our house that we're gonna tie no matter what. If we get a dollar in, guess what? We're gonna give a dime. And some people may like, man, y'all no. See, Abraham gave tithes of all, 
right? Abraham, he didn't give tithes of some. He didn't give tithes when it was convenient. No, Abraham gave tithes of all. And because Abraham was willing to give God anything in return, God gave him everything. So never stop giving. Never stop sowing, no matter how hard that season is. Last point, point number five, is forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. The one thing I heard when I was growing up, um, I'm a preacher by the name of um, Elder Sidney Brown, a former pastor's father. He's always said Paul kept short accounts with God. Right, Paul kept short accounts of God, and as I grew and got older, I when I was younger, I really didn't know what it mean. But as I got older, I understood what it meant. Right, in other words, Paul he continued to present himself to God, and he continued to renew his mind, and he would ask for forgiveness with God. That's important, right? That you keep short accounts with God. Why? Because the devil would try to skew your perspective on who you are in God when you're going through situations. He would try to tell you that you've done this and what you're going through is because of this, right? And so it's just good, you know, just to repent of anything or that you've said, done, right? Or that, that you may have thought, uh, repent of that. And that way you can throw that care onto God uh, the Bible says to cast your cares on God. Like, God, look, I repented. So I cast all my cares on you. I've admitted where I've wrong, been wrong and where I fell short and, and where I could have did this different. So, but I'm not going to continue to rehearse this every day because that'll leave you, lead you into a bad emotional state like I was talking about. And that can also lead you into a, you know, a place of depression, right? Also, remember this. You have to forgive and forget. We, we've got that bag where we say, I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget. Now, you, you're a prisoner now. You're a prisoner of that person's... Um, you're a prisoner of that person's action that was committed to hurt you. So now what you really has happened is you've become a prisoner of your own pain. But you're not supposed to be a prisoner of your pain. No, you're supposed to um, allow Jesus to take on all of your infirmities. And he will bear those. As a matter of fact, not he will. He did bear those on the cross, right? He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our nakedness. By the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And when you carry that, hmm, that's good, Holy Ghost. You nullify the cross. <clears throat> you have to give that over to him, right? And let it stay there because that is what Jesus wants to do. And that is what Jesus did. He carried it all to the cross, right? Remember, the enemy is after your love walk. He's after your love walk. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? And so, it lets us know that you cannot in any way, shape, form, or fashion please God without faith. What does that have to do with love? Well, Galatians 5 and 6 tells us faith works how? Faith works by love. 
And so, but the enemy, he's just not after your faith walk. No, he wants to be after your love walk. And if he can get you to get out of love, guess what? Now you're out of faith. And now when you're out of faith, now you, you can't please God like God has designed you and designated you to in this life and in the kingdom of God. Look, I hope you've been blessed. I hope you enjoyed this. Look, remember to subscribe, share this podcast with somebody if it had been a blessing to you. And uh, remember to uh, subscribe also to our YouTube videos. Look, we'll be back with you soon. Remember to keep us in prayer. And remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him.